Welcome to this week's episode of Safe Room, Bloody Disgusting's horror video game podcast. I'm your host, Jay Krieger. And I'm the other one, Neil Bolt. And this week, we're chatting about those recent Silent Hill announcements from last week's Silent Hill transmission. Yes, folks, Konami's taking a break from pachinko machines and skateboards to actually make a Silent Hill game again. And it is a seemingly bright future for the franchise for the first time in quite a while. Uh, You know, I don't think it's a stretch to say that Silent Hill fans have um, probably been, you know, a little jealous of Resident Evil fans, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, having such bountiful releases and whatnot over the last few years. And, you know, it seems that Silent Hill fans are now going to have their moment. Finally, finally. Um, But yeah, I'm looking forward to, you know, diving into these announcements. We've got, you know, almost a handful of game announcements. And then, of course, there's also... Uh, the film announcement for another Silent Hill film, which we will surely chat about. But uh, yeah, Neil, Silent Hill is back in a big way. Uh, And I don't think there's really anywhere to start than with the long-rumored Silent Hill 2 remake that's going to be helmed from uh, Bloober Team. Mm. What did you think of our first look at this? Yeah, I mean, it was everything we'd sort of heard in reports, you know, over-the-shoulder third-person Bloober doing it. Um, We've learned today, I think, that it's going to be seamless no loading etc etc um an idea of keeping it similar to the same sort of uh build you know beat for beat where where it can but then being this bigger thing that's probably had its own moments um yeah no i was I, i think it looks very nice i understand that you know there are people who are going to be very upset that it does look different and i understand why i think yes the limitations of silent hill 2 as it was and we discussed that when we talked about it on an episode previously that they are part of why it feels off and weird and discordant like it does but i don't see the problem with it you know i know that the argument is well you can't just buy the other game you know, easy anymore. And I think it keeps getting forgotten. You know, again, not to excuse Konami because it's a fuck up on their part. But the reason we don't have a Silent Hill 2 port that's any good is because they haven't got half the fucking code and still from those days. So they couldn't make that port work like they did, say, Metal Gear 2 and 3. Um, yeah, that was, that was a large reason why that was such a horrendous port for so many people and why so many different things got changed. It wasn't just because they felt like spiting people. It was more the case that they didn't care enough about the work, which is probably worse, to be honest. Um, <laughs> you think about it, but, but yeah, I, I just think that keeps getting forgotten in the sort of grand scheme of things that, yes, they could do a port or just a beat-for-beat remake, but then who wants to do a beat-for-beat remake of a game and not put any of their own creative license on it? Sure, then you've got the argument of, why bother then? Well, it's like, because everyone wants it. You know, it's like I know people, there's a hardcore that are going to be very pissy about it because of who's making it, because of what it is. But the same thing happened to Resident Evil. You know, Resident Evil Two, a game I adore, you know, as it was, you know, got made in something that was completely unlike that. You know, and you can't look at the two games and say they're anything alike, really, you know, in terms of tone, atmosphere, where it goes, and less so with Resident Evil Three. And yet, I like both games just as much. Yeah, you know, I, I really do. I really like. You know, I don't like the remake as much as the original, but of course I wouldn't. You know, I grew up with that. That was like an iconic thing for me, and I'm sure that's the same for many people with Silent Hill too. Well, yeah, I don't hold that sort of belief with it, but I suppose you just get it two ways, don't you? It's like 
It's a team of people that, that still work in company, but you have no names and faces. People are happier about it because then they can say, well, Capcom are still making it. You know, Capcom's reputation is great with Resident Evil for getting every fucking thing that came out between five and seven. You know, but, um, yeah, it's just like that. But, you know, Capcom also got this treatment themselves when they put Devil May Cry out to, you know, a Western developer and people still to this day think, you know, we might get to that point of people accepting DMC Devil May Cry, you know, and they don't, you know, again, love the original game so, so much, as I have pointed out on this very podcast. The remake, as it was, the reboot, I really like as well. You know, I think Ninja Fury did a great job. I like it a lot more than most of their games. So it's doable. I think Bloober had the stigma. We know that. I know this is really long-winded, sorry. But it's no. like, but yeah. I know, There's a lot to say. Yeah, this is it. It's just, I've had this conversation with several people this last week, you know, good and bad, about this and this whole very pissy, petulant mood about who's making it. Because it's Bloober, you know. Again, point this out before. I am a big champion of Bloober when they do things right. Big critic of them when they don't. And I think they've done enough to warrant, you know, at least getting the gig. You know, if, nobody wants to have this gig, really. If, yeah, because it's a real. thankless task. And nobody should have this gig, really. But if you're going to, you would much rather it was a developer whose very origins in doing horror games is because of games like Silent Hill 2. And then you would much rather that they had the helping hand of people made the original game. Like Yamaoka and uh, Ito. But, you know, which, again, there are more people involved in this, you know, from the original game than there are in the Resident Evil 2 remake, the Dead Space remake, you know? So, I mean, I don't see this outrage for the Dead Space remake when EA gutted that entire company, sent them off to make things they didn't want to make, ruined their franchise within the space of, what, five years? You know, it's like between Dead Space and the Dead Space 3. And, yeah, and then just cast them off and now letting someone else make their game. You know, and like, and putting it in direct competition with those former employees. Dickish move on every level. Everyone's excited <laughs> about it because it just, right. because EA are making it. And that's it. And they don't really care about who's behind it, which is not to discredit the people making it because I think they do a fantastic job. But I think, there's a weird thing with this Bloober thing where it's like, I don't know if it's because of the medium or if it's just because people don't like other games they've made. You know, we've discussed why the medium has its problems, but there's plenty to that game that works on an atmospheric level. And yes, of course they made games that weren't very action orientated or didn't have, you know, very deep storylines. They're a small company getting bigger. They, they were not something the size of Konami you know, by a long shot. But what Konami has shown here in this showcase is they're willing to give smaller developers a chance with this. You know, and if you don't have the confidence in this, because of Blue, but I understand to a degree if you didn't like their previous work. But is it not good that Konami are giving smaller studios with a horror background like this and no code the chance to revive Silent Hill in their own image, you know, if you will? in terms of no code one and uh, try and bring an old game up to date. Why does Silent Hill 2 have to be given this extra high pedestal just because no one's bothered to 
give it another shot in the years since when every other major horror franchise has had to go for at least two, three reboots. And Silent Hill has not had a great game for a long time. <laughs> a really long time. That, that was still when Japanese studios were making it. So, yeah, long-winded way of saying, yeah, I think it'll be okay. I think it's just laying those expectations at the door. It's never going to be what you want if you're a Silent Hill 2 hardcore fan, because why would it be? And the reason you're not going to get what you want is because Konami was slapdash back in the day, and they paid the cost for it. And, yeah, it's one of those forget things that gets forget forgotten in the time. Yeah, as somebody that only just played Silent Hill 2 this year, um, it's the type of thing where I'm glad to see that Bloober, who initially gave me some pause, right, when they were the ones that were going to be helming this, and that was confirmed. At the same time, though, the inclusion of people from the original Team Silent, you know, the artist Ito and composer Yomoka, just having them involved gives it a certain amount of, I suppose, prestige right Mm -hmm. they this company that is going to have people that were intricate to the original so the idea that they are going to be allowed to go completely off the rails and you know deliver some type of butchered uh rendition of silent hill 2 i don't think is something that people even more diehard fans uh should really allow themselves to believe is going to happen granted now the way in which they might interpret some of bloober's decisions whether they take some creative deviations right which you know coming back to my opinion on just like horror movie remakes and things like Mm. that, which I've mentioned countless times, I always want somebody to deliver something that is similar to whatever it's being, you know, remade of. But at the same time, I want that creative team to use their own vernacular of horror or just storytelling or game development or whatnot and amend maybe, or just include certain elements that weren't found in the original, you know, Mm. nothing groundbreaking that's going to drastically alter anything that would resemble, you know, the original Silent Hill 2 experience. But at the same time, that creativity needs to shine through because I think that Bloober teams definitely proved in the past that they have, you know, interesting lens with which to tell horror Mm. stories and games. And, you know, who doesn't want to play around in the Silent Hill universe? You know, I say that and then immediately, you know, coming back to what you said, this is going to be a thankless task largely for them because no matter what they do, they're going to have diehard fans, you know, beating down their doors saying how they destroyed this a masterpiece of, you know, survival horror, which, you know, we'll see we'll see how the final product shapes up. But it's the type of thing, again, that I'm more confident now going into it knowing like, oh, there's going to be members of Team Silent here that are going to steer them when they start to maybe get a little carried away in their creative deviations uh, that they might try to, you know, include in the final product. Um, I will say that I find it more exciting to dive into this game, not just because, you know, that trailer is gorgeous and, you know, the graphical improvements, but more importantly, some of the quality of life in terms of controlling and most importantly, combat, right? Because I think even in the chat that we had earlier this year about Silent Hill 2, it was a game that I would replay, but it's not a game that I experienced and was like, I would just say this is a game that plays like what I would imagine a survival horror game from 2001 plays. Yeah. That's fine for plenty of hardcore fans. You know, it was one of my notes when I was playing it where I was like, it's not necessarily a game that I had fun playing, but it is an unforgettable survival horror experience that I cherished. 
but I don't necessarily know if I would say that it was fun for me to play it. Um, so I think from that aspect, that is really exciting of getting to play this game with, again, improved controls and seeing, you know, what changes they make to combat. Again, utilizing that new perspective, taking that, you know, Resident Evil sort of uh, new era mm-hmm. route, and we'll see, you know, how that comes through. Um, I will say, you know, the, the one thing I suppose that I was thinking about just before we were recording that I only thought about just because I went back and listened to a bit of our chat with Jake Decker about The Last of Us Part One, mm-hmm. just because I was trying to see if I was connecting the correct dots or not. But the potential for remaking this game and having that new graphical fidelity, seeing how that's going to potentially strengthen that emotional engagement and storytelling in Silent Hill 2. You know, we talked with Jake about the fact that, you know, we've all played through The Last of Us numerous times and, you know, regard it as this phenomenal example of, you know, storytelling in games, but also just performances in games. Mm. And, you know, having this story that, you know, is really emotionally gripping and how when he went back and played part one, you know, those moments were heightened even more so because of just how more much more expressive characters were and the likes. And, you know, that same potential is here with Silent Hill 2 from Bloober Team. And I would not be surprised if even if maybe some of the gameplay stuff doesn't work still for me, or maybe, you know, combat is still a little strange. We'll see how that shapes up. But, you know, at least from just the graphical side of things and, you know, how high in regards I already hold Silent Hill 2 storytelling, you know, I would think that by going along that same logic with, you know, Last of Us Part 1, um, that that's something that could even be more pronounced here. Um, and that's really exciting because that was one mm. of the things maybe that uh, I kind of laughed about when I played Silent Hill 2 was just like James's American voice uh, <laughs> audio, which, you know, wasn't terrible or anything. But, you know, I could just see the potential for having, you know, re-recorded lines, more expressive, you know, body language from characters and things yeah. really strengthening what is already a phenomenal piece of storytelling. Yes. Well, uh, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, given the, uh, the previous voice actors, uh, modern problems, uh, it's no <laughs> surprise that he is not uh, reprising the role. So, um, but yeah, so, so that will be interesting to see how someone else puts a take on it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not necessarily disappointed that they're going the silent two for their project at the same time though. As soon as that was confirmed, I was kind of like, man, I really wish that they had done this with Silent Hill 1. I mean, and we yeah. don't have to get into a whole thing about it, but it was just – that was my initial kind of maybe let down a little bit was that, you know, oh, I'm gr- <laughs> it, it's not a surprise that they're going to be going to the most beloved Silent Hill game no. to remake, right? But at the same time, I was kind of just like, oh, man, I really wish that it was Silent Hill 1 because, you know, what issues I might have had with Silent Hill 2 and how it handles and controls – they're definitely more so with the original game, but at the same time, that's a game that, despite some of those elements that didn't quite click with me, it's a game that I love. And so the idea that that isn't going to be the first one's a little disappointing, mm. but who knows? They might turn to that in the future. They may well do, you know, and I think what they've shown again with this whole transmission thing is that they're willing to take Silent Hill in every different direction, you know, the past, the future, the present, and all. And yeah, I get what you mean because the original game is the one that's the more lost to time, if anything. Now, um, though you could probably easier get a copy of it than you could say uh, 
too, because if you have a say a PS Vita, you could still play Silent Hill. You know, like I, uh, I played the original Silent Hill over the summer on my PSP, my launch PSP, because well, I had an old PS3 yeah, See, download on it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is why I got very familiar with that game at all, really, after playing it in the first time around. It was that I got to revisit it there, and it was just like the perfect time to play it. And yeah, I just think it gets so badly ignored because, you know, it's not the most widely available one, I think, you know, in terms of like, uh, players now from then, it's just not there for them, you know, and that was when Resident Evil was really at its height, you know, Resident Evil 2 had come out and all those things. And so it did kind of get sort of shrugged at and then 2 came out and that was, you know, I think even at launch there were people, you know, critics that didn't like it for what it was. And it's one of those that sort of grew in reputation as it went on. And free, again, free is like, to me, like Devil May Cry free in that it's the sequel you'd hope for in a lot of ways, but, you know, in a more exaggerated way compared to Devil May Cry 2 to free. But it's also kind of just sort of gets whirled up in that same ball where, you know, it's no surprise that you have such a divided opinion about Christoph Gans's original Silent Hill film because it mixes up bits of those three, you know, those three games and um, without really any care as to why. But then even I was there thinking about, well, oh, I forgot that was part of that game and that was part of that game, you know, it's like, and then you suddenly remember, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, none of this should really be together. But as an amalgamation of, you know, a spirited idea of what it was, great works. But yeah, the fact is, the first one and the third one do just get overlooked badly for what 2 does, you know, and it's, and any other game after that, well, good luck. Um, but um, yeah, so it's, it's no surprise they've gone with 2, as you say, but again, it would really be nice if we do get the other games sort of uh, getting that treatment down the line, you know, um, much <laughs> sometimes Konami goes the most obvious route where you think did you really think of this yourself or did you just look at someone else's homework you know it's like they look at Capcom doing Resident Evil 2 first because and counting it as first because 20 years ago is when they made, remade the first game and they go yeah we'll just start with the popular one and I'll do you know like that forget the first one and it's like no maybe maybe you would have got more goodwill trying to get someone on that first game again because it has less of a prissy audience i'm gonna piss people off i'm sure keep saying prissy i complained about how silent hill 2 plays so i'm definitely gonna catch my fair (laughs) share of flack no doubt but you know i think that that's the beauty of the podcast we get to you know we get to voice whatever opinions (laughs) we we may have while of course you know still being more than you know more or less for the majority of stuff we cover uh massive fans and i think that shines through to people that are you know, not just being uh, reactionary to our opinions, which I think yeah. are pretty tame by uh, a majority of opinions sure. that you can find on the internet. <laughs> yeah, and I will point this out, you know, in defense of anyone being adverse to what they're doing with the Silent Hill series, is that, yes, visually speaking, it is nice to have all, let's go big graphics and all that. And I agree, I don't think that's really necessarily the selling point. And I, a lot of a lot of remakes do miss that point where they're like, yeah, just make everything look more pretty and more atmospheric mm-hmm. and more dark and more serious. You know, I made that joke the other day about Resident Evil 4 and the remake. It's like, look at it. It's all dark and serious. But also you still <laughs> can fucking parry a chainsaw with a knife. It's like, it's yeah. like, which is great because it means yeah. that they're still 
kept the sense of humor, but it's just like, yeah, I love how it's like, yeah, we we'll keep trying to make this more of a serious product and everyone will love it for being a more modern horror, but also we're not going to drop the suplexing, drop kicking, boulder punching, <laughs> knife parrying nonsense, which is great. I just think though with Silent Hill, I think there's a little bit of stylization in what they're doing, despite, you know, the graphical overhaul, which is good, I think, because if you went for full realism, that would just be, yeah, you are missing the point. That's like, um, here, this modder made this unreal five engine version of this game that looks like dog shit now, but, and misses the point completely. And yeah, it's thankfully not that from what we've seen so far. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to cause its own contention. I think any, slight change or deviation at all from the norm with this game is going to get punched and pelleted because people are going to want to attack it, you know, whether they realise it or not, because negative press is going to drive a lot of this now because it's just the way of it. Like I said, to this day, DMC Devil May Cry still gets shit for for that one little joke in there about where he takes the puts the wig on and takes it off saying never in a million years for having the white floppy hair and it's just like and it just sent fanboys into wild fucking mental it's like this isn't even in the top 20% of the worst things this franchise has ever offered you and you're still <laughs> shitting it's like but yeah it's it may never get the acclaim it wants but you know it, and it's just they've got to show they're sincere with what they're doing and I think sticking to what they're trying to do uh, themselves is great, but I think they need to make sure they're listening to those involved that you know what they're talking about about it. And that I think that will happen. I think that that is such a crucial aspect of this project is that they have people there that have lived through this game and still correct people on Twitter to this day about their opinions on the original game yeah. who claim to be fans. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, it's there to be interpreted, misinterpreted, blah, 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 blah. And we shall see. It's going to be a shitstorm when that game comes out. Let's be honest. Whatever happens. If it's great, cricks are paid off, blah, blah, blah. If people dunk on it, it's like, oh, there you go. They're just doing it because they hate it. And it's, it's just going to be one of those. So it means it'll be bloody interesting. That's, that's, the, that's the thing. Talking about it is going to be infinitely interesting, you know beyond reactionary clickbait stuff but uh, yeah it's I'm happy for Bloober that they're getting a shot I just hope they don't waste that shot and I hope they've really really learned their lesson from the medium yeah I really hope that you know the involvement of original team Silent People and then just in general like right the fact that they're making Silent Hill 2 which is arguably one of the best survival horror games ever made or most beloved you know Hmm. and you know, I would hope that that pressure is the type of thing that, you know, they are really going to pick their battles on where they can have that creative deviation or creative expression of theirs, where maybe they're like, oh, well, maybe we can, you know, include something here that was different than what was found in the original. But I would find it hard to believe that they would be allowed to take, you know, many of their own, you know, sort of just creative deviations and anything that is integral to that Silent Hill to Mm -hmm. experience, whether that be from storytelling side of things, or just in general, you know, exploring Silent Hill. Yes. Um, but yeah, you know, that's the thing. It's going to be interesting to see the response to that one. Um, but I think that it makes the most sense, right, of if they're going to be bringing Silent Hill back into the fold, they need to win over audiences with 
Silent Hill 2. And then maybe perhaps people will be a little more open to some of these spinoffs that I want to get into. Because for me personally, this is the most exciting element of that Silent Hill uh, transmission is just the announcement of three spinoff titles that are not for the more or less going to play like traditional Silent Hill, but they're experiences that are going to be in that same sort of universe, thematically speaking, mm-hmm. not continuations so far as we know, but it's more so about delivering new and, you know, for me, exciting gameplay models to explore, you know, the strengths of Silent Hill from a storytelling perspective. Um, but Neil, I'll leave it up to you. Which one of these spinoffs would you like to talk about first? E, yeah. Um, not to say that there's a great deal we can say about them, just right, based so off of what we have. I, I just want to balance out a bit. So I won't talk about the one that I would want to talk about next, just because I think it would be the obvious thing. So um, let's go with Silent Hill F next, I think, which is set in 1960s Japan. So straight away, very different, deviating. So it's Silent Hill in spirit rather than uh, in place, maybe. But um, I'm sure that won't cause any contention. Um <laughs> And yeah, it's written by a writer, uh, Ryokishi 07. So I'm probably saying it wrong. There's weebs out there telling me I'm wrong, but I understand. That's how I would say it. <laughs> say it but, uh, Which actually uh, doesn't mean much, I guess. <laughs> sure. It's like, I, you know, Cars on the Table hadn't really come into his work before now. So understandable why I haven't got a fucking clue. So, but yes, you know, people are happy about that and his involvement. Um, the trailer for this was intriguing you know just the uh the very fungal bloom sort of thing that was going on and like that whole talk of how it built up and then the face of the woman who's having this floral hat sort of sliding off like it did yeah for such a small ambiguous teaser it was like oh yeah i I like to see this you know it could be the what is it you know the the kenshin to the yakuza series you know that you know in terms of like sort of let's take it place in the past and see where that goes i mean just thinking of like sort of uh asian set games that do go back to you know the past you know in terms of uh maybe taking on some sort of historical importance in how they depict the world and the man of you know, the spiritual manifestations that come from that immediately my first thought was devotion you know um while not obviously you know, not the same country not the same situation it really did sort of make me think, oh, okay. So they're trying something really, really different here, you know, and uh, uh, knowing so little from it is great because now I'm like, oh, what's going to happen with it? And, you know, what are we going to see from here? And the fact there's like fungal things in it is always great for me. Outside of The Last of Us, I think it's a really great thing to do. And it just looks really... I was going to say, it speaks your language. Yeah, and it's just like, okay, yes, this is... That bit of Forbidden Siren vibe to it. Oh, yeah, give me, give me this. I mean, I suppose the thing that made people a bit like hesitant about it is that it's been developed by Neobard. Um, they've been helping develop uh, the until recently dead uh, Resident Evil Reverse, you know, which was a game so bad that it had its beta and just disappeared out of existence. Um, but it has now, of course, since re-emerged this week uh, in the uh, wake of all this. Um, Looking better, to be fair. But yes, um, but the producer is, uh, Matoi Okamoto, who is basically worked on stuff like Luigi's Mansion and Pikmin and Nintendo. So it, it which is cool. I like that. that. That's an interesting sort of change. So it's a very back to basic Japanese Silent Hill. 
taking it to a whole new time period, taking a new place. Great. I'm really up to that. And when you consider that Silent Hill 2 was very much made for the West, you know, again, point of contention has only come up today about the, the translator airing his grievances about not being sort of credited the last time when uh, the HD collection came out for, you know, all the work he did and saying he probably won't get credit again. So, you know, credit him, Konami, let's be honest. But um, <laughs> but it's like this is really the first one in a long time that feels like it's actually being made by the country of origin for the country of origin. And whilst knowing that the name is big enough now that more people will be interested in, in going for somewhere different. I think, you know, not to be glib about it, but games by Western developers like Sucker Bunch that sort of tap into Asian culture, you know, where there was an outrage for Ghost of Tsushima, Ghost of Tsushima uh, initially, you know, about the fact that they were sort of bastardizing, you know, Japanese cinema, blah, 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 like that, understandable. But they did kind of get stuff that people would appreciate in the end, and it worked out well that people did want more of that. And so Japanese uh, studios are being able to do games like that or games with that sort of style and people are more receptive to it now because of having that sort of entry-level meal of what they're given there. So I'm confident it could have a good good shot if it turns out. Well, I, just, I love that we don't know enough about it yet, and it, it adds to the mystery. We know Silent Hill 2, and the worry is what won't be the same, you know, and, and that's understandable. And, yeah, I, I am really, really quite into this. How about you? This is the one that I am the most excited for because it is so, you know, <laughs> it is so foreign to what we expect from Silent Hill mm. in the sense of, you know, granted, this is coming from the person that's only played maybe three entries in the entire Silent Hill franchise. Mm -hmm. But for me, the idea of a Silent Hill game being built upon less of this idea of the town of Silent Hill and more about the thematics of Silent Hill, right? Mm. I think creating horrors that match the psychological turmoil of subjects, right? I think that that's a concept that can work anywhere. And, you know, much like you've said, the fact that this is a game that is not being made primarily by, you know, a Western studio and then being like, oh, we're just going to slap on this, you know, this Asian aesthetic to Silent Hill and we're going to, you know, capitalize it on that way. More so, you know, you have creatives that are from the country of origin where this is taking place. You know, you've got an acclaimed Japanese writer, as we said. And I think that that hopefully will deliver something that feels authentic, that maybe taps into mm -hmm. culture in a way that, you know, a traditional American studio couldn't. Um, I think that there's a lot of potential in this new facet of Silent Hill, as you said, like this fungal element that, you know, is probably somewhat similar to the dream world portrayal of Silent Hill in the film, right? Where mm. you kind of see that rot spread everywhere. But the idea of doing that in a way that maybe will have some greater significance to either the location or the people themselves, mm. I think is an interesting facet for, you know, we don't even know what type of gameplay it's going to have, but seeing that play out in the storytelling or the gameplay, I think will add an interesting, unique identity to Silent Hill F that hopefully capitalizes on, you know, Silent Hill and what it's been doing for so long and as well as it has, but delivering it in a new setting or just maybe the ways in which they're able to um, deliver just like a new vessel of gameplay, perhaps for Silent Hill. Again, know almost nothing about it, but I think that this is the one that 
I'm most excited for because it has the most potential has the most potential to deliver something unlike anything else that we've played in Silent Hill. And you know, that might sound a little hoity-toity, but this is the first time I've ever seen something of Silent Hill that I don't have a frame of reference for mm. from another two or three games in the Silent Hill franchise. Um, you know, I again not to say that, you know, Silent Hill 2 remake I'm not looking forward to, but at the same time I'm kind of like, okay, I'm already have a grand idea of what is in store here. And even if it was, you know, a new Silent Hill game that was taking place in Silent Hill, more traditional, at the same time, I'm going to be, you know, connecting the dots between that and, you know, one, two, potentially parts of three. But with this, not having any real sense of what is the, not only the drive of the game, but just, you know, what is gameplay going to uh, be? Mm. So I think that this one is really exciting. And, you know, that trailer is gorgeous, right? I think not only just the graphical fidelity, but just the ways in which the, plants kind of are this vibrant red that really shines through in this just overall kind of bleak world. Um, I think that it's, uh, yeah, visually intoxicating, which I can't always say about a lot of the Silent Hill games. But yeah, I'm very, very interested to see how Silent Hill F shapes up. Yeah, I mean, anything that depicts something in a more bright color scheme, you know, in terms of doing horror is interesting, I think. So yeah, it, it takes that and goes runs with it a bit. Yeah, that'll be a real fresh departure. And I, I like to think of the things we got here was very much, uh, if Silent Hill was a director, it was like, this is saying, this one's for me, this one's for you, sort of thing. Like, it's like, you can have your Silent Hill 2 remake, but I want to make you know, the, this one. Uh, you can have your fucking arg game thing if you want, but also gonna get to make, um, a game with indie darlings, you know, and, uh, see where that goes. So, I think that's the balance of it. I think there are stuff here that is made to make a profit first. Yeah. That ultimately then funds the stuff that is more interesting and risky. So I, I'm all for it. I know that's just, you, you can't help but be, but be cynical about that, but that is the way things work. It's like in order for the smaller stuff from a big studio to get made, there is going to have to be a dead cert, if you will. I think, you know, that they are banking on Silent Hill 2 being the dead set. They've got the PS5 exclusivity, so Sony have obviously whacked out some cash for that already to get that for a year. So, yeah, I think it's, um, that's a positive of sorts. Whether you, whatever you end up thinking of Silent Hill 2, the remake, I think its existence has probably helped these other games, uh, come to life, you know, which is, could ultimately be a great thing. For the future. Yeah, I mean that that really is the price that they're going to have to pay to open up the world of Silent Hill again. You know, have that massive W in their pocket with the remake. Which you know, whether whether or not fans are you know a, a fan of some of the changes that that game will surely include. At the end of the day, as you said, you know that exclusivity, them having just that graphical you know updating and whatnot is going to basically yield them a massive W. So the fact that they are able then to, you know, experiment, which arguably is probably going to introduce elements that you will find in the next big mm. Silent Hill game that is just completely original. Um, I think that that is definitely something that makes these spinoffs as exciting, if not more exciting than, you know, getting to replay Silent Hill 2, you know, for some people for the umpteenth time. But uh, yeah, you know, these spinoffs, again, not knowing much about them. At the same time, just the potential for them delivering on something that could shape the new era of Silent Hill, uh, I find to be really exciting. 
But before we dive into the other spinoffs, that being Silent Hill, Townfall, Silent Hill, Ascension, and Return to Silent Hill, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will dive into those. And we are back from our break, and we're going to chat about the next two spinoffs that, you know, not a great deal shown, but at the same time, you know, I think they definitely uh, raise some intriguing questions about Mm -hmm. whether that be, you know, the storytelling mechanics that potentially could be uh, found in them, or at the same time, just the more communal aspect of what gameplay might look like. Um, And I'd like to start with Silent Hill Townfall, Mm. which is a spinoff that is going to be done by No Code Studios, who did the stories untold um, and is going to be published by Annapurna Interactive. Um, This one definitely, I think, is a little more vague than the last one we chatted about. But knowing that the studio behind Stories Untold and just the format that that game took, I would assume that this is something that's going to be primarily story-focused, but at the same time is not going to play like a traditional uh, Silent Hill game. Do you think that's kind of a fair read on that? Um, Yeah, I mean, if anyone could actually capture the spirit of uh, Silent Hill quite well, actually, I think it is no-code because they have this nuance when it comes to their horror Nothing is explicit. Nothing is in your face. You know, the very things that, you know, we've just been talking about that people have problems with Bluebra is that they think that Bluebra are very, you know, obvious surface level, uh, uh, attempts at horror, which is, yeah, for the most part is true. And that's fine because that's what they do. Yeah. No code, you know, having come from, uh, you know, creative assembly, most of them and worked on alien isolation famously. You know, they've done stuff like, as you said, Stories Untold. They've done Observation. And in both of those games, you know, the horror is very subtle. It's very simple and underlying in a lot of cases. And stuff that needles at you. And that is really key to what has made Silent Hill you know, stand the test of time. What people really love about Silent Hill is that it has this underlying onion layer thing that you can just sort of peel away at and discuss for hours on end as you know as we have done previously and so while yeah i I agree they probably will make something that's quite different for silent hill i think they will probably be the closest of all these projects in terms of getting the vibe of what silent hill was correct you know so um yeah I, i think it's exciting in that sense yeah, and um, God knows what it's about. The the report is that this is going to be the first game in an anthology series from different developers each time. Annapurna basically being publisher, I think, each time. But um, that that would be wild, you know. And again, I think this goes back into what we were saying about F, and you know, having a fresh take on what Silent, Silent Hill is and where it takes place. I think that's it. I think they are going to really tap into the idea of Silent Hill not really being a place, but, you know, something that's your state of mind and uh, the manifestation of your evils and your horrors, if you will. And so, yeah, an anthology that sort of took you to different places, different Silent Hills and different ways of doing things. Yeah, I'm really into the idea of that. I think PT did a little bit of that. You know, before and and I feel that that was going to be the premise behind Silent Hills, you know, because the fact that Silent Hills to me always said, okay, so we're going to explore how Silent Hill is different for everybody and why and the infinite possibilities within that. So I think all these projects, 
in much the same way that, you know, Capcom came in and raided the cupboard after PT went down <laughs> and all that and Silent Hills ceased to be and just took all the good bits they wanted for themselves. And, you know, basically, you know, <laughs> they, they Zuckerberged Konami's property, you know, and, uh, in the best way possible. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's, they're doing it to themselves a bit now, you know, they are just saying, well, this is stuff we're going to get when Kojima and Del Toro were involved and that let's uh maybe take that premise and you know the multiverse is such a big thing now so you let's it's it's i, I would like to think they have enough full thought to think this is a good idea because of that but yeah uh, to do a series that is basically silent hill but what if great yeah and where better to start than someone like no code and then it just excites me who else they could end up working with down the line yeah i, I mean Frictional games, maybe you know, could end up doing something. Oof, oh you know, man! Just, just bucket list uh, pairing. The possibilities, the possibilities <laughs> are endless. And yeah, just different Silent Hills, different scales, different sizes. Brilliant. Yeah, go for it. And you know, I, I think I know we don't know enough about these projects in general, but I do like that there does seem to be the sort of varied presence in them. Mm. Where, you know, they, here's the big budget blockbuster one, but still done by the indie guy. Here's the big, you know, here's the alt one that's just slightly strange. Here's the one that's more in house. And yeah, I really, yeah, it's not a lot to say as for what it is, you know, but right. from what we see here, but it still works. You know, it's very creepy. We know the developers, it, yeah, we know the developers, what they can do. And it's just, yeah. Yeah, it's very much the same effect that Bloober Team has had on people, just not in the negative sense, you know, where it is a case right. of people just saying, oh shit, they made this and that, you know, but again, then more people in a casual way have probably played Bloober games than they have no code games. So, sure. you know, so it's less, of a, less of a pool of people that are like, oh shit, this could be exciting, you know, and I think that showed some during the, uh, sort of presentation. But that, I think Silent Hill fans are very much in the case of they're never going to be happy because they're never going to get exactly what they want, which is always the case with any franchise that doesn't get to live out its best life after a, it should have hit its peak and really carried on mm. being new and fresh and inventive. And, you know, the meme that is Konami it doesn't really <laughs> help. You know, it's like um, it's never going to live that down. But I said this earlier. People forget Capcom were in the same boat. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, they didn't get all the shit about they treated someone badly and who was very prominent and that's that. But you know, Capcom did a lot of the same things. It just didn't do to the explosive level that happened with Kojima and Konami. And that, that still very much is the rod to beat Konami with who didn't need games, had other business ventures, didn't need to worry about that and what they were doing with their products. They still came back, you know, they could have folded, they could have sold off, they've come back, they've clearly going to give this a go. Yeah, we, we are clearly going to get lots of this stuff. And they were saying during the transmission that, you know, that everything's sort of tied together in a way that they wanted to, you know, the, the film to tie into the remake and bits like that and just to have it all be a it feels like a strategy it doesn't just feel like oh well we're doing it because everyone else is doing it i mean there are aspects right. of konami right now that is that like there's go still going to fucking nfts despite it being you know abundantly obvious that that's a stupid fucking thing to do 
at this point, but um, can't win them all. Um, but yeah, it fills you with a little hope and a little dread because you know, I mean, here they've got the people involved with with some of it and who used to be involved, and then but are also giving new voices the chance to express themselves. I don't know how that will work with other properties they've got. Metal Gear, for instance, is one that fills me with that. That for me, I'm like the Silent Hill fans for this. Metal <laughs> Gear for me is going to be right. like, I will cry if they remake Metal Gear Solid 2 and it's not Kojima because it's like, no, you just no. It's like, <laughs> it's like even free, but, um, but still fucking play it. Let's be honest. Um, and Castlevania, I think ambiguous enough because they've done it in so many different ways over the years that you, you can just pick a favorite and go yeah okay someone can do it that way someone could do it that way and like the anime series proved that you can spin it in whatever way and it can be successful i think that probably had a lot of um helping a helping hand in uh, konami seeing that there was still relevance for their properties because the, that anime show you know was critically revered did very well for itself in general and now, yeah, it, it's proof positive that, you know, there's worth behind these franchises that they are just sort of holding on to. You know, and look, I'm just glad they're using them again. Uh, to- yeah. I I mean, getting to see somebody like No Code Studios get to play in that storied sandbox mm. of Silent Hill is fantastic, right? And I think also just I keep coming back to the idea of exploring Silent Hill in a way that we've never previously explored it. I mean, all of these franchises, I find, have so much potential in just based off of what they've already done. But the idea of exploring those worlds in new ways and providing players with a new sense of agency rather than, okay, now it's time to you know have a survival battle kind of duel or something like that, right? I think that there's a lot of storytelling potential there and exploring those worlds in, uh, in new and exciting ways, in ways that most of us maybe will never even have thought of of being able to do that. And somebody like no code studios, I mean, just based off of stories untold, I played observation as well, but like stories untold, the amount of sort of just tension that they're able to craft from, again, this very sort of restrained approach Mm -hmm. to agency or gameplay or whatnot. um, I mean, the idea that they're going to be able to try to do something like that within the world of silent Hill uh, and just, you know, knowing the strengths of Silent Hill storytelling in the past and knowing that somebody that, you know, seems like a perfect fit for that um, is something that I think is what makes that project, despite the fact we know almost nothing about it, that much more exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, it's one of those things where it was like a 45 second teaser trailer, you know, nothing really about it. But of course, fans have already found some Easter eggs in there and the transmission and whatnot. But uh, I think that it's just exciting to get to return to Silent Hill in a way that we probably never have before. And yeah. that, as somebody that, you know, has played a number of these games now, it's the type of thing that I'm excited about because I just, I'm invested in the universe. I'm invested in, you know, the core thematics of Silent Hill, but, you know, getting to play through a game that is not primarily focused on being a traditional survival horror game, I think is exciting um, because there's so much, you know, of Silent Hill from just a storytelling perspective that's already so strong. And to get somebody that, it feels is well-versed in that same sort of vernacular and is proven with, you know, two games already that uh, they're more than up for the challenge of 
you know, telling stories in unconventional manners, uh, I think makes this one definitely exciting uh, coming after Silent Hill F. Something that came to me when sort of when we started looking at these games beforehand was that, you know, the fact they're building up multiple games at once and people are like, why? You know, and the fact they've said this might be an anthology. They haven't said it, but it has been mentioned. This could be an anthology series. You have Ascension and its sort of um, idea of changing the canon forever sort of thing. And sort of going back to the key point of where the franchise was in terms of what Silent Hill was, and then taking it in another direction with F. And then seeing today this whole sort of uh, message that had been uncovered in the trailer for Townfall, you know, in the audio spectrogram, and the message being whatever heart this town had has now stopped, it made me think that all of these things are connected as one big silent hill universe as as grown worthy as that might be and but you know i've just mentioned before about the fact that you know they're clearly tapping into that multiverse idea and thinking oh that'd be a great idea like that and i think maybe that's it maybe they're like well silent hill is dead here but it, it could live on here you know and here's where silent hill has lived and died before maybe it's something that just manifests in its own way through different people in different times and different ways and i'd be really fascinated to see if that does end up being true and like the reason, I mean, it, maybe I'm crediting Konami too much here to say that this, but I think given they've got people like Ito involved with that remake, I do wonder if everything he's being sort of consulted on other things, you know, on what they do. And yeah, that little phrase, whatever heart this town has, has now stopped in Noko game does just make me, ooh, okay. Maybe that is just the, sort of the kicker to make all this work and whatever goes on in Ascension, and we'll get to that in a minute, obviously, but it is like the catalyst for everything. I suppose it really depends what comes first and that will probably determine how we feel about all this. No, I think that's a great point. It's the type of thing that, you know, if we want to boil it down to like the first phase of the Silent Hill revival, if you will, right? Mm. This is something that, you know, we hope has been well thought out and orchestrated behind the scenes in a way that, as you said, if that was going to be the case, the release schedule is going to play a huge factor into that too, right? Of when these experiences are going to be coming out, you know, how readily available are they going to be? Granted, you know, obviously we know that Silent Hill 2 is going to be PS5 exclusive for that first year, but with the other games, not truly knowing, you know, what gameplay looks like, Perhaps if one of them is going to be like a visual novel type of an experience mm. or something a little more um, lo-fi, if you will, along the lines of like stories untold, could that be something that, you know, is not just exclusive to console and PC, but maybe like a mobile game as well or having being available on mobile. So I think that knowing the actual sort of release plan for these titles will maybe begin to inform a little bit about their connectivity, right? Um, I think, though, that something like Silent Hill Ascension, which is our final spinoff to chat about, is, I will say, intriguing in the sense that, again, it is going to be facilitating a Silent Hill experience in a way that we previously have not done, hmm. which is, you know, we don't know much about what that is going to actually entail, other than there is going to be some type of a community aspect to that game. Uh, it, within that trailer, you know, it has multiple people in some kind of a chat room setting that are, you know, communicating and talking about how they need to work together as a team. And, you know, certain care, it seems that certain people, you know, might have different inputs or abilities than other people, but 
it seems to heavily be this communal experience. Uh, what that actually shapes up to look like, we don't know, other than, as you said, the fact that it has this element of rewriting the lore or canon, which it gives me pause, right? Again, maybe I'm not like the biggest Silent Hill lore aficionado, but at the same time, this idea that it's a multiplayer experience that can shape storytelling, you know, while I see there could be some interesting organic uh, storytelling facets of that, at the same time, right, I hear multiplayer games, the alarm bells start going off in my <laughs> brain. It's like, oh, I better make sure that I have a group of people to play this with because sure, if that is right. a mechanic that is at the core of that experience, how does that play out with random people and whatnot? And again, you know, we can't pass final judgments on any of these. These are basically premises that we're talking about at this point. Yeah. But I think that it is at least as intriguing as the other games. If, you know, personally, I might have a few more reservations about what a communal Silent Hill experience could potentially look like. Yeah. So I think, again, I found this with everybody the game I've talked about so far. There's stuff I just sort of start thinking once we start talking about it. And they actually, I'm not as down on this as I thought I was. And so from what was revealed later in the week is basically that it's going to be a narrative-based branching choice cloud streaming experiment. That it's only ever going to stream once. You know, so it's not something you can replay. You know, it's based on like, so it's going to be basically uh, Twitch voting, if you will, effectively for a mm. story that's ongoing. And this is why I referenced uh, before we start the show about like the Walking Dead did this recently on Facebook. You know, they did like mm-hmm. a, a same sort of thing. And I get it, but I don't get it because it's like, what <laughs> is this right. is such a big thing? Why am I not hearing about it very often? But, um, yeah, so basically it lets the fan base decide canon within this. So this is what I was thinking about when I just said this before is that is this and this experiment the catalyst for everything else you know, like whatever they do here sort of shapes where the franchise goes beyond these next few games and yeah so it's a mini series effectively um in fact yeah we we're talking about it being a choice based uh, interactive thing telltale were very good at this even gave that to netflix with some of their stuff and Surprise, surprise, there are ex-Telltale devs involved in this very thing. Um, basically, it's told through cutscenes by the sound of it. So no player hands-on with their stuff. It is pretty much your hands are basically, this is the decision. What does the chat decide like that? Now, my only problem with this as a thing is how badly that could get manipulated. Mm. But I'm hoping they deal with it well enough to offset any potential sabotage um then again this is the company that built up a live stream for the last week and then just showed had the whole video available before the launch yeah. of the fucking live stream <laughs> so it's like <laughs> so yeah sometimes you're not quite as confident <laughs> in what's going to um go on there so you got bad robot involved jj abrams is involved dead by daylight uh studio Behavior interactor, uh, interactor involved. Who are very good, you know, they're good at doing like law based things and building up very simple ideas like that. Um, and like a game to TV specialist company as well. So it, it's all done very much in that spirit. Yeah. The thing I was thinking of before was the walking dead last mile, which was also made funny enough by this same company. There you go. Genvid. So, there you go. so yes, it was, there's no, 
surprised then that it reminded me of that. So while I may check it out, I feel entirely dismissive of what it will do. My big thing about it is what it ties into in the wider scheme of things. And it's like, if it, if it's canon makes it Silent Hill canon, great. But if it impacts something beyond its own little game and universe, that would be more interesting. Because then it's like asking Silent Hill fans to say, well, where do you want this franchise to go? I know, I know it's not going to give them you know, the concrete wishing that they want, but it still gives a guiding hand. You know? And yeah, I, it's an interesting idea. I just still don't quite understand enough about it, how it would actually end up working out as a legit thing, you know, but we will see. Yeah. You know, after talking about XCOM last week with Aaron and then briefly mentioning something like Chimera Squad, mm. uh, it's the type of thing where I view this as being something that maybe is a test of sorts for a mechanic mm. or a facet of gameplay that they could then incorporate into another perhaps mainstay title or something like that. Just because that whole, you know, granted again, between these three spinoffs, we don't know a great deal about them other than what we've mentioned. But at the same time, you know, something like this, that is so much an outlier from a traditional Silent Hill experience, um, I find to be something that could be, and maybe it's just because I'm cynical, but I find it to be basically a small scale test of something that could potentially flourish into a new facet of a main core hmm. Silent Hill title. Um, but, you know, that's the type of thing. Try to try to keep an open mind when we dive into it. Sure. Other than, you know, my brief cynical take on it that <laughs> I just gave. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, you can be cynical because it is ultimately, if you're going to look at it in any way, it feels like PR. You know, right. it, it's a way yeah. of driving up hype for whatever else is coming out. Saying that, And that's why I think it will probably end up connecting with something else. Yeah, and... and that way, you know, you're getting people personally and emotionally invested in something. If you're then saying, well, this ends up being the decision that makes this game work like it does, you know, maybe those other games have little things that they might, you know, switch A, switch B to decide what happens in that game based on what happens here. Because it's a one-off thing where they can collect that data and go, well, this is what people did, this is what people want, we can, so now we can take that path in that game. Um, but again, as I said before, depends which thing comes out first. It could be to do with these games, or it could be to do with the games that come out after this set of games. Yeah, you know, I think at the end of the day, though, when we think about the fact that Silent Hill is getting three spinoffs, and each of them is, you know, ostensibly going to provide a new facet of a Silent Hill experience, mm. whether, you know, they even come to fruition of being these things that can stand on their own, I think that's pretty exciting. Again, you know, I might be a uh, a Silent Hill novice compared to some, but I think just the idea of expanding that world in new ways is something that definitely is exciting. Um, and the fact that, you know, not to say each one of those has to be a hit, each one of them, though, might be trying things that are different enough that they learn a core thing about, you know, a new facet of gameplay that could then potentially go into the next more traditional from a starting point of a Silent Hill experience, but yeah. being, you know, amended slightly by these new and informed uh, gameplay mechanics or storytelling facets, which, you know, I think that for anybody that left that Final Hill, a Silent Hill transmission and was kind of like, okay, we've got a main game and then three games and a movie, but the, the spinoffs are like not really Silent Hill. It's like, well, 
that's not doing Silent Hill, giving Silent Hill enough credit, right? Yeah. The idea that something is being learned each time, whether or not gamers understand that or recognize that right out of the gate. But we would be remiss not to mention uh, Christoph Gens returning to the world of Silent Hill mm. with Return to Silent Hill, which is going to be the third movie in the series. But this one primarily is serving as, you know, an adaptation of Silent Hill 2, which, uh, you know, fans are probably going to be uh, <laughs> divided <laughs> on, right? I think much like the remake itself, uh, Christoph Gans has proven that with the original Silent Hill film that he directed, that he is willing to take, you know, some creative liberties with Silent Hill. And, you know, in that original film, he definitely does conflate certain moments or elements perhaps from the first three games yeah. into one, which, you know, I'm not opposed to by any means. Uh, but I'm curious, Neil, like for you, what did you think of the original Silent Hill film and what are your sort of hopes for his direction with adapting the second? Yeah. Um, it actually goes back into this whole thing we've been talking about, but the idea of like Silent Hill being different for different people at different times. And I just think it was a way of telling that story whilst drawing from good bits of everything. Um, you know, it's did bring about the problem of using fucking pyramid head and everything. Yeah. Like despite it being very thematically tied to one person, but at the same time, you know, it's a film that most people are very fond of outside that fandom because it did enough. You know, it still tells a coherent story, um, using parts of those free games. Um, in a much better way than some have, yeah. I think of like the Uncharted movie, which was perfectly fine and entertaining, but yeah, it took elements from all over the fucking place, you know, like, uh, and really just made you think, well, where do you go from here? You know, it's like you, you've kind of lost the origin story a bit here by doing everything later that's impactful. But yeah, so I think it, it worked as a standalone thing. Uh, the sequel was utter shite there's no <laughs> denying that i think whatever way you look at it that that really did just take the we don't understand what we're doing thing to a whole new level bar the opening few minutes i think which had a very silent hill revive but the rest of it is just dreck um here i like the guns is back um you know brotherhood of the wolf is example of you know how well he can shoot stuff and and uh in this sort of genre but I I don't like how bullish he was about I'm going to do what the fuck I want. You know, it's like uh, I'm pyramid head, definitely having him like that. It's like and it's just or pyramid thing as he put it, uh, which is obviously the more uh, canon approach to putting it. And uh, yeah, I'm not sure doing Silent Hill two, but my way is going to work. Um, especially if it's supposed to be done in correlation with the game, which obviously that worried me slightly because they're like, okay, so they're doing the, their own vibe definitely then if they're, um, if, because uh, he was one of the people that ended up leaking a lot of this stuff early on by saying, you know, that this game is being made because he's obviously very much involved in all of it. And again, another thing that made me think, oh, well then they definitely got all have some sort of connection because if he knows about all of it, then either Konami are just really shit at keeping secrets with people they're working with, or yeah, th there's a reason that everyone has to know about everything. Um, so yeah, there's a little concern there, and what he did with that film I don't think would work as well now. Um, especially given the bad blood that seems to be 
aimed towards the game. I wonder it it, it might do it probably do modestly, um, but I, yeah, I really like that first film. I just think I just yeah, but if you were you know any kind of snob about Silent Hill, you're going to take umbrage with it. Absolutely. Because in the same way that I would with the Resident Evil films, and like, you know, to this day, you have the audiences that don't care about the canon as much who will sit there and defend Resident Evil Apocalypse. Uh, and then there's people like me who, to this day, can't help but get just irrationally angry about the idea that they made Nemesis human and cry, effectively, <laughs> it's like in that film. Just like, yeah, it's like... It worked for Terminator 2, but you know why it worked for Terminator 2? is because they've made the fucking robot a fucking psychopathic fucking mass murderer <laughs> in the first film. That's why right. it, it doesn't work without that jump. You know, it's like, it's like, it's like, no, we're going to do it in 10 minutes of screen time in this entire film and make it work. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> the, apocalypse, <laughs> the apocalypse, uh, comes, uh, umbrage is taken once again. But yes, I don't want it to be like that where, it tries to be too close and then misses the mark because it tries to do something different with something too closely. Um, but it can't go anywhere else because you can't really, it's already taken ideas of those first three films and they've already tried to make the third game with revelations. And yeah, I, I think, yeah, why not? We'll just see how it goes. I think, I, I just think it's like the game kind of on a hiding to nothing because the audience that was and the audience that is may not really get it at all it is. But it'll probably look fucking good. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I really don't. I understand the marketing behind why, you know, they want this to be an adaptation of Silent Hill 2 corresponding with the game, obviously. I think that might end up, you know, again, this is definitely something that is uh, a fool's errand to a certain extent, right? Because mm-hmm. no matter how close to Silent Hill 2 they are at adapting it, they're not going to make all the fans happy. At the same time, whatever deviations they take, the hardcore fans are going to jump all over them with. Uh, that being said, you know, I am slightly more worried, as much of a fan as the original film as I am. Um, the idea, though, that he is going to put himself in the box of saying this is an adaptation of Silent Hill 2 is going to stop him from having some freedom in the sense that he had with the original film where it's mm-hmm. like, okay, here's elements from all three of the first games interwoven into one in a way that, you know, it granted Pyramid Head's uh, inclusion withstanding, you know, I didn't find to be terribly distracting to the degree where I was like, well, this feels like it's just like a hodgepodge of yeah. Silent Hill's best of elements, if you will. You know, if I'm going to look through a lot of the sort of PR speak that was in that where he's... Uh, he's a real gamer who understands the uh, Silent Hill lore and the, the great respect for genre and all this stuff. And it's like, you need to rest a little more heavily on the fact that, you know, he delivered a Silent Hill film that looks like fucking Silent Hill through and through. Mm. From a visual standpoint, no reservations whatsoever. The fact that, you know, again, he is being put in somewhat of a creative box of tying it directly to Silent Hill 2, I don't believe is going to do them any favors at the end of the day. No. At the same time, though, you know, as I hope with the uh, adaptation that Bluebird's doing or the remake the Bluebird team is doing, I want to ensure, though, that, you know, his creative vision is going to shine through in some ways that are still surprising. And again, in the PR speak that they did for this, uh, he mentions like having some surprises in store for audience. 
we'll see how much of that actually comes through. I'm on the side of the fence where I want to see more of that rather than just a shot for shot remake. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I wouldn't want to watch a Silent Hill film probably from anybody else just because visually speaking, so fundamentally understands, you know, what is intricate and unique to Silent Hill, what makes that look very distinctly different mm-hmm. and seeing him play in that world again, you know, some granted it'll probably won't be out for a handful for a couple of years, but you know, seeing that come to fruition, you know, 15 plus years later uh, is very exciting. And, you know, I haven't even kept up with the majority of his filmography. I don't think he's been as prolific as he used to be, but getting to see him return to silent Hill is something that I think is definitely exciting. And I would not have been as excited about returning to silent Hill if, you know, he was not involved. And I believe it's the same producer from the original film. Yeah, I think it's Constantine films as well, which, does fill me with a little dread because they are the Resident Evil fucking team. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah, all of the Resident Evils. So, yeah, if anyone doesn't get a franchise very well but has the rights to it, they are, unfortunately, the company. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, yeah, um, who knows? Uh, my gut says um, just do what we can with what we got and hope that it makes money rather than doing the right thing. I don't know, Gans had the goal to make what he did with the original and just sort of like just say, here's a bit of everything. And he got away with it in the same way that we were discussing earlier, that people don't remember the first and third games in quite as high reverence as the second. And, you know, that's very rare for a franchise, having free entries and like people can't really pick out stuff for the first or the second, or the first or the third game. Um, but then you could slip those things into a film about yeah, is predominantly there, and yeah, I mean Silent, that Silent Hill film was predominantly about Silent Hill One, but it then started feeling more like Silent Hill Two in a lot of ways because of Pyramid Head, you know, and all those things, and yeah, it just baffled me. Though, honest to God, perfect casting with some of those people as well. Yeah, I think um, Sean Bean being Harry Mason was perfect. I get why it wasn't as male centric, but you know it, it, he deserved a bit more in that sequel. And you know, um, it's Laurie Holden, wasn't it? That was uh, Cheryl the cop, and yeah, that was great, brilliant, like that. If Laurie Holden turns up in your B movie style horror movie, you are in good hands, I think, because yeah? in the mist, in that, she just rocks. She is perfect for that sort of stuff. Yeah, so yeah. Um, to a pretty shame we won't get her this time, having been burnt to a crisp in the last one. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, it, so I don't know. There's, there's confidence to be gained from what he did last time. I just wonder if having to commit to one thing might be the problem this time. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like how I hope will be the case with the game, right? Is the remake of Sound Hill 2 is that it's going to have the same largely structure that was found in the originals, but at the same time, again, allowing for enough flexibility to be like, hey, let's take this cool creative deviation that could potentially even draw influence from, let's say, like Silent Hill 4 or Mm. something like that, um, or any of the other games that came after that. And just the fact that a game can not only be respectful of the source material and be an accurate representation of it while still not being entirely 1000% beholden to it, I think at least, you know, that's me. At least I always have a little more uh, 
a little more understanding for creatives wanting to deviate slightly and tell things through their own lens, use their own sort of vernacular for yes, horror absolutely. filmmaking or storytelling. And, you know, I just hope that there's not an overwhelming burden of student influence that says, oh, well, that's a little too off the beaten path of what we want. We're just going to kind of shove that to the wayside. Again, a lot of this, I think, has to do with the release schedule, which is what you mentioned with the spinoffs, right? It's going to be interesting to see how all of these pieces that were mentioned in the Silent Hill transmission, you know, how they fall and what order they fall in. Because I feel that, you know, it might be the case once we see that, sort of blueprint for release dates and the order with which things are going to be released in that it might actually give us more confidence, perhaps, you know, it'd be interesting to see if, cause I don't believe there was a release date for Bloober teams. Remake, no, right? no, just, it's going to be exclusive to PS5 and you know, for a year and yeah, all that stuff. But the thing that really gets me with this, I suppose, is that we don't, as you said, we don't know where it's all going to fit together. But something that with the film, something that comes to mind is that probably fills me with a little more confidence is I look at um, Resident Evil and how that rebooted with Operation Operation Oh Christ, I almost called it the worst thing. Uh, <laughs> welcome, welcome to Raccoon City. And how, yes, on one level, it was more faithful, but then it got very confused about when it was taking from. So it was like, we're the, based on the original Resident Evil games, but also the remakes, but also not. Cause, so it's like, it was a bit of the originals. Then there's like the game from 2002. There's the game from 2017, 2018. And 18, it was 18, sorry. And it never quite felt like a coherent whole in the same way where it's like, I get with Silent Hill at that point, it was like there had been no remakes or anything like that to, to worry about. So you could just say, well, this is all from that period of time. And we can, they all very much share some similar vibes. So you can just sort of pull it together and it feels a bit more like a consistent whole as a film, as a casual observer. Uh, whereas Welcome to Raccoon City, you know, it had great moments uh, that worked, but rarely were they any moments that actually were lifted from the games. Um, those moments just felt very much like, oh, we had to. Yeah, and we had to put that in. We had to put that in. And then they tried to do too much in too short a runtime in uh, encapsulating one and two together. And then when, you know, the obvious thing is do one, then do two and three together, if you're going to really do that. Um, and sadly, we probably won't get that now. Um, but yeah, so, and that was proof that, you know, a director who knows how to direct horror can miss the mark even whilst being a fan of what he's doing. Johan Roberts' uh, effort. But, yeah, so that, that, for me, is an important part of this because I think Christoph Gans understands the games and adaptation better than Roberts did you know, with that. So I, if he's having to mostly go from the new stuff and he's very much involved in that, by the sounds of it, you know, then he's not going to be sort of guessing. You know, he's very much like, well, that's what they're doing, so I can bounce off that, do my own way of doing things. Great. So I, I really hope that's the case because I think he can make a great thing if that's um, that's the way of doing it. And you don't, it's not going to be the game. We know this because games and the stories they tell are very much 
shaped by how the player interacts. We know this. And doing a film version of that never really works because you aren't going for the same reference points. And in the case of a lot of these games, um, they themselves were influenced by something else in live media. So uh, like the David Lynch references and things like that too, that were in Silent Hill are, are very much uh, with with the greatest of respect to Christoph Gans, he is not David Lynch, you know. So it's um, he's not going to direct it like David Lynch. More's the pity, but yeah, that, that's fine. Um, but I think he will put his own spin on it, and I think the audience is different enough that it won't matter. Maybe. Yeah, you know the. I don't think it can be ignored. Just the. The time period that this is going to be released in too, right? I think that it's part of the reason why there was such a reappraisal of Silent Hill, the original film, right? After it was released and how it ended up being this very beloved example of a video game movie done correctly. I struggle to think of in the last five years when we've had, or in the last 10 years since we've had a video game movie that truly nailed the source material in the visual sense that Silent Hill did, right? And I think that we've been kind of starved for films that have been able to achieve what that film did for so long that this film is so long as again, Gans um, is able to capture that look of silent Hill. There's a good chance that that's going to earn him a lot of sort of maybe leeway and perhaps of his ability to adapt the second game story into a feature film while, you know, perhaps drawing influence from some other games in the series. But it is the thing where I think, Welcome to Raccoon City serves as a cautionary tale, I think, of trying to condense too many games into one film and really taking your time with it. I would hope that with you know Silent Hill having this resurgence from the remake to the spinoffs, that there's enough leeway and there's enough, I suppose, not only budget, but just production time to allow him to tell a single story within one film mm -hmm. and not to view this as like, well, you might not get another chance, so you better tell all of the Silent Hill stories that you want <laughs> in one film, which is honestly, you know, I'm a little warmer on uh, Welcome to Raccoon City than most, but that is a glaring issue with that film largely is that it begins to conflate far too many stories in Resident Evil into one film to the degree that it makes it incredibly messy and, you know, I would say even confusing at times with the direction of this. I mean, but yeah, I was just with this it, film, it, it hopefully, you know, yes. it's able to not have that problem. Yeah, I mean... To this date, it still makes me angry that the only good uh, representation of the liquor in any Resident Evil live action media is still the fucking TV series. So it's like, <laughs> so, yeah. But so, yeah, I digress. So, yeah, I think we've pretty much covered everything, haven't we, now? Um, which is great. Um, I would say we'd obviously like to hear from people if they have their opinions on this um, when we put this out. Because next week, yeah, I think we can approach this because we know what we're doing next week. Um, uh, we are starting a new monthly episode, which is called The Inventory, which is going to be a review show where we review the horror games that have come out in the past month that we have been, you know, lucky enough to play. So uh, we will basically, we won't be doing scores or anything like that, but we will give like 10 minutes to a game each time. And uh, so I promise we won't go on long-winded rants with that but obviously we can come back to those games at a later date and talk about them at length if we want um 
but we know some of the games we're going to be talking about, so we can sort of hype you up there. We are obviously going to be talking about games like Scorn, uh, A Plague Tale Requiem, Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed, uh, Signalis, uh, which you know, I can't say anything about now, but we will be able to say. Uh, yeah, and yeah, we, we will have a nice, healthy slate of games for that first one. But if you know, we have time at the end and you've got opinions from this Silent Hill episode, we can always fit them in at the end. So please uh, let us know. Absolutely, yeah. I think that'll be great. And that'll be a, a nice uh, chaser, if you will, to our new uh, episode format that's going to be coming out next week for the inventory, which I'm excited to chat about. It'll be nice to talk about some uh, uh, bevy, if you will, of uh, of recent release games that we've been uh, maybe containing our thoughts on. But yeah. yeah, that'll be nice to kind of dive into in a little bit more detail than maybe we've been alluding to on Twitter or whatnot, or with just each other in uh, DMs. But yeah, I'm looking forward to diving into that next week. And as Neil said, if anyone has any thoughts on any of those Silent Hill announcements, or if you just straight up don't agree with us, <laughs> please uh, feel free to reach out. And as always, people can reach out to us on Twitter at Safe Room Pod. In addition to getting show updates, if you know you're not on Twitter and you, of course, have email, you can feel free to email us your thoughts and opinions on any game we're going to cover at saferoompod at gmail.com. And yeah, thanks again for listening. And uh, if you've enjoyed the show, please rate us on iTunes. It helps us to uh, you know have a little more legitimacy, perhaps, in the uh, space of gaming podcasts that uh people you know there's lots of podcasts out yeah, there and we are a niche a, <laughs> we are a niche but seeing you know five star ratings on itunes is one of those things that gives potential listeners a little more confidence to dive into a new podcast for the first time but uh yeah neil as always it is a pleasure chatting horror with you for safe room yes until the next time